This show is brought to you by Brain First Training Institute, ICF accredited coach certifications and applied neuroscience training. To become a brain-based coach, get certified in applied neuroscience and stay up to date with what's happening in the world of applied neuroscience and coaching, join our Brain First community over at brainfirsttraininginstitute.com. Hey, it's Ramon and welcome to Brain Coach Radio, where we hear from expert coaches, leaders and trainers who are using applied neuroscience to help their clients get life-changing results. We discuss various coaching topics, neuroscience insights, business tips and much more, all to help you succeed. Now, let's get into the episode. No interruptions. Enjoy, my friends. Christine, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you for having me. (laughs) So uh, uh, talk to us about coaching how how did you get into coaching uh by mistake (laughs) oh okay interesting yes so I was um I was working a corporate job um early 90s well kind of like the late 90s and I had um an opportunity to get some development I was really intellectually bored in the position that I was in so I went and I said I really need something that I can you know uh, study or, or learn more about. And they were like, sure, go find something and we'll take care of the, the bill. And I was like, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And so I went and found one of the very first uh, coaching certification uh, groups that was out there. It was uh, Corporate Coach U. And um, I went through that process. And I tell you, Ramon, there is definitely a line in the sand when it comes to pre-coaching Christine and post-coaching Christine. Um, I mean, it changed my life. Really? Yeah, Yeah, it really did. It made me uh, a better person, uh, a better parent. And it, it changed how I worked. It changed how I lived. Um, before coaching, I was, I was someone who could sit down and, and fix your life and, you know, 10 minutes or less, cause I thought I had all the answers. I mean, cause yeah. I was, you know, I was brought up in a, with the idea that you're supposed to have all the answers and that's why people come to you. And, you know, that's what makes you valuable. And that was a belief system that I had. And coaching really helped me see that, um, you know, my best job, my best value that I bring to any relationship is not to pour into people, but to facilitate out. And um, it was, it it was, it was life changing. It's so funny when uh, I know, you know, so many coaches, that uh, get into the field often come into it by having a friend tell them that they give great advice, that sort of thing. (laughs) You give great advice. You should become a coach. (laughs) Oh, that's a pet peeve. It's so interesting. But I think for a, a lot of people, even though that might be the case, um, and I, I don't know for how many, but that that's certainly the case for some. Yeah. Um, it can be quite transformative when you step over that line, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So what are, what are some of the other things that were quite profound when you made that shift into 
coaching? Like what are the, what are the, what are the big ones? Well, I, I was more confident in, in who I, who I was because I could really be authentic and I could say that I didn't know the answer and I was very okay with that. And I didn't have this facade that was up that, you know, everything was perfect. Everything was good. And, you know, I had all the answers and, and that just took so much weight off of my shoulders. Um, And just, I mean, it's almost, you know, my hindsight, you can see this happening immediately, but I know that while I was in it, it was a gradual thing, but I just became more approachable. Um, People were able to talk with me more about, about things that helped them. And, and it was because I wasn't sitting there and giving them advice. It was because Mm -hmm. I wasn't there talking about what I would do or what they should do. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that just kind of, um, that blossomed. And, and actually the job that I was in, when I got my, my first taste of coaching, <clears throat> I, um, you know, within about 18 months, I actually doubled my salary Wow! and that, you know, and of course back in the uh, late nineties, I wasn't making a whole lot, but double anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> great deal. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, and I do, I attribute it to, how I started working with people differently. I do. So, I attribute all of that. So, so who were you working with um, back then? Who did you start working with? The organization or yeah, the, the, the people, the people. Yeah. Um, what were you working so, on with them? So um, my first step in was with assessments, you know? Um, and I think that that, that was a good thing for me because I didn't have like a, um, a cohort that was physically around me. I mean, when I was with this group, we were all over the world and we had these conference bridges and things. So I didn't have that, those role models um, that I could actually see. And so it was through interpreting reports because, you know, that first piece of of an assessment is not coaching. It's, it's just interpretation, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, once you get those results out and then it becomes the coaching piece. And that was really probably my first year or so that that was my introduction. That was my step into leaders is that I had this assessment. And, um, and in fact, we did some leadership development that everybody had to have an assessment. So I probably did probably over a hundred assessments in my first year. Wow. So um but that's, that's who I started working with. And, it, and it's always been um, leadership of some sort. How has it changed over the year? I mean, we're talking two, just over two decades now. <laughs> yes, it makes me feel so old. Thank you. <laughs> Experienced. <laughs> having this conversation with someone Season. the other day and they're like, I'm like, there's no downside to getting older as far as I can see, like as long as we take care of ourselves. Like, we become wiser and more experienced and yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, I think it's a great process. Um, so yeah, experienced. Yes. yes. And so how <laughs> how, has it changed? How's it, yeah. How's it changed over, over that period of time? Um, how has my approach changed or Your approach who you're working with? Okay. Yeah. So, so I, 
you know, I think when you first become a coach, you want, you want so badly for people to understand or to see things the way through a coach's lens. Mm -hmm. You do, you want, you want them to see it, you know, and it's one of the things that I tell students is that when you start learning to coach, it can be very painful because you want other people to know the things that you know, and, and it's painful to see other people do the things that are opposite. <laughs> um, and so I think, you know, that my first, say, five years, um, you know, it was just anybody who who was working through something. Right. And, and I was in the training and, and development group. So I had a lot of opportunities for things like that. Um, and then when I went through, I did, um, uh, work with, as an organization development consultant for a while. And so I would work with leaders of, of large departments and from time to time, I would have leaders come in and say, I need you to work with Joe or Jill or whoever. And, um, I would go and I'd work with Joe and Jill. And the problem wasn't Joe and Jill. It was the leader who wanted me to work with Joe and Jill. <laughs> and um, so after enough of that, you know, <laughs> you're trying to do the same thing over and over again. Um, I, I learned that I needed to work where the, the biggest influencer is. So um, now I really do focus on leaders that um, have a, what I consider a great influence and who are, who is, who, who are willing to do the work and they see that they need to get to that next level, whatever next level that is. Um, because there had been times when I would try to convince people to be coached, right? Um, and that never works out well. Mm. Uh, you can't want it more than they want it. And and there was a period of my timeline that I did want it more than they wanted it because I could see it so clearly, right? Mm. Um, so I only work now with with uh, leaders that have um, a great deal of influence. So that could be um, it could be a CEO, COOs. Um, it could also be you know senior vice presidents, um, people who who have the ability to make a difference in their organization and they're able to manage up and take care of the situations that are above them that may be causing them some um, strife. Mm, mm. So going to where the heart of the issue is. Mm. Let's uh, switch to the neuroscience for a moment. So what attracted you to neuroscience and applying neuroscience in your coaching practice? Yeah. So um, about six years ago, I designed a program for to teach leaders how to become coaches. Um, Love it. And because I thought, and I know that when they're with their peers, they're going to be able to sustain that behavior longer. Right. And learn they're all learning together. So I created a program to to help them become more more leader coaches than just leaders. Right. And in that curriculum, I had talked about, um, you know, the whole um, 
threat response and, um, you know, what that does to an individual and, and just how many threat responses there are <laughs> in, <laughs> in the day of a working professional. Oh, I mean, yeah. Particularly oh, in an organization too, oh, like my goodness, I, 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 I couldn't handle it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. Um, it it can be insane, and through that, so so that was one piece. So that's that was one, and the other piece that I brought in was um, was meditation, mm. and so I had worked with some um some technology on meditation because here's what i would the, the eye rolls that i would get when i would talk about we would meditate right yeah and, please, we need uh, to talk about this yeah exactly <laughs> i don't have well, time for that shit. <laughs> yes yes and so so i want to tell you a really quick story please um so one of my uh very first large organization um programs that i implemented um, I was sitting with a with the program sponsor, and I said uh, was kind of going through the um, the curriculum, and then I got to this point, and I said, and so this is where we um, experiment with mindfulness, and one of the techniques to becoming more mindful is is developing a meditation practice. You should have heard, like you could have heard a pin drop, <laughs> and she was like, "Excuse me," <laughs> and uh, you know, I. I told her I had a good relationship with her. And I said, you know, I said, you hired me to bring something very different into your organization and to get results. Let me get results. And so she got to a point where she was good with it. And the day that we were doing that portion, because it's, it's a several day um, program. And I got to the point where we we're talking about that and I could see her. She was so nervous as she was sitting over there. And, you know, I had a room of like about 30 people and um, and we went through. I, I, I guided them through meditation. And when we were done, one of the most senior people in the room said, I am so glad you did that. I've been doing this for years and I didn't tell anybody about it because I, th I thought oh. they think I was crazy. Wow. And, and at that point, it was such a wonderful thing because when we would get back together, you could hear people talking about, well, did you meditate this week? How many, are you able to work? I mean, you would hear wow. the chatter about it. That's so it, cool. It was so awesome. So, um, so the, so what attracted me that those two pieces attracted me to your neuroscience, uh, uh, applied neuroscience course was that. I wanted some deeper information. Um, you know, I, I had enough to explore it, but if there were questions or if there was more things that I wanted to do with it, I felt like I was kind of at a, at a, at a stopping point. So, you know, applied neuroscience and <clears throat> coaching was, uh, was to me just a wonderful combination. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> listeners, Christine isn't being paid to say that, by the way. We, 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 we didn't set that up. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Um, but it does. It just makes so much sense because, you know, to, to coach and to lead, you've got to take care of yourself. Yeah. And, and if you know more about how you're wired, then you're better apt to, to make changes in order to get out of your own way so that you can be more effective. 
you got it's, it's almost like a user's manual, <laughs> mm, isn't it? Yeah. What, what's your what's your favorite approach? Uh, what, what's your favorite technique or brain based approach or, or model uh, that you use with clients? Do you have a go to, or do you have something that applies to most of them that you go, yeah, this is the this is a needle mover, or well, is everyone different? I- you know, there's there's definitely common threads in there. Um, I would have to say that the the one thing, the thing that keeps coming into my mind as you were as you were saying that is that you know our our negative talk mm. and how we wire that into our head and what it allow what it what what triggers it pulls right. And so, um, you know, and I'm going to mess up the formal name of, of that uh, technique. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, the, the whole thing as to whatever it is that we focus on and we repeat into ourselves and we go deeper and deeper into the problem, we kind of get sucked into it, right? Mm. And when we're able to disconnect and really rise above and and think about the possibilities that gives you just a whole new board to to write on right um and we do that so often you know it, the way that we are wired dictates how we respond to people and and limits our choices and so becoming self-aware is and I think that is probably the secret to success in most cases is is be, being really self-aware and and that goes into what what your head chatter is is talking um, and how you're either allowing that or noticing it and letting it go and then redirecting yourself. So, um, and you can probably say the, the technical term for that. Um, I see the initials right now, but I can't tell you. <laughs> uh, for, the, for the detachment of, um, yes. from that inner critic, cognitive yes. diffusion. There we go. See, there we go. Yeah. Gotta love that inner critic. <laughs> I know. <laughs> down. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. The more you try and beat it down, the more it starts to rise up until you can um, yeah. observe it. Exactly. And just let it walk on by, diffuse yep. all that cognitive material. So yeah. what's the what's the the thing that's made the biggest impact in your life personally um, that's come from something brain-based or from the neuroscience? Oh, wow. Um, you know, it has to do with when we are how our bodies like our physical bodies and our minds are so connected right um it's the whole you know getting up and moving around um when you're so headstrong onto something right taking care of your body um so that you can think clearer so that you can be more effective um all those things are connected and I think that because I, 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 I tend to segment things, you know, you know, this is work, 
segmenting. Well, guess what? You still need to move your body when you're working. <laughs> mm-hmm. You still need to, you still need to drink the water. You still need to go to bed, um, you know, at a normal time and wake up at the generally the same time every morning. Um, you need to, you know, I, I hear you every evening, just about when I eat late, because <laughs> I, know that I need to have some hour space time before I go to bed. Right. Uh, it's like, Christine, should you really be eating that? It's, a, it's already eight o'clock. Um, so, you know, I think it's the combination of all of those things that I've become more mindful about and it's, it's allowed me to call myself on that um, a little bit more. And, and I mean, even like just moving your body, even if it's 15 minutes at a time, just making sure that that's happening. And, and it does, it makes such a big difference mm, with your thought process and everything. I mean, I've got a stationary bike in the next room and, you know, this morning I forced myself to get on it before I opened my laptop, you know, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that I find is really beneficial and I've been doing this for quite some time, but it's that first thing in the morning is before you have big breakfast or anything, just to have that quiet time, have that meditation time. Um, I think all of that really just, it's a, it's just a, this potpourri of wonderful things that, that you can treat yourself to. and. It, they don't cost anything, but they sure do help. Yeah. I think it's one of the things that uh, uh, most of the executive coaches that I speak with, they come to the neuroscience for the problem-solving stuff and the analysis versus insight and the um, you know strategic thinking and all these sorts of things. And what most of them talk about afterwards is, Oh my God, sleep, nutrition, moving the body, <laughs> um, because they know the impact of uh, all of those things and managing the energy of the body and impact on the emotional and affective systems and how that impacts our ability to think through things and problem solve and make good quality decisions and behavior change. So I think that's you know, so impactful when we can consider all of these different parts um, as part of the whole you know really taking this holistic approach uh, yes. and we can treat them separately and take the reductionist approach because we need to be learning about you know the mechanisms of action and um, but also how they're all interrelated but then treating the the single organism the human being right because it's yeah. not like we can we can segment ourselves into well this is the movement part of me and this is the focusing part of me and this is the um, you know, socializing part of me. We bring each of the, those different parts to every moment. So I love that. Yeah. What, um, what do you think coaches need to be doing to help their clients get incredible results? Yeah, this is going to sound so like basic. The basic is best. But sometimes, you know, um, the first thing is, is to truly listen to your <laughs> clients. <laughs> I mean, leave the agenda at the door. Um, uh, just, you know, there's, I, I hear so many horror stories from people who've had, you know, uh, coaches who, who came with an agenda. Or, so just listen, 
just listen, truly, truly listen to, to your client. Um, and the other thing is don't ever stop learning yourself. Um, I think that coaches to, I think to help your clients the best, you have to be continuously learning, become that lifelong learner. Um, that's going to make you so much more valuable, so much more insightful um, because, you know, maybe there's a third thing too, and that is for coaches to take care of themselves. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, coach yourself first before you can coach anyone else. So mm. those would be my three things. Mm. So uh, I'm just going back to the the first one about truly listening, and and obviously that is an incredibly critical, um, incredibly important slash critical part of coaching, right? <laughs> How do you manage moving from when you need to be a coach mm-hmm. and the process of coaching into when you might need to teach and train and mentor. If, if we were to draw the line there and say the process of coaching versus teaching, training, advising, consulting, yeah, educating, those sorts of things. Well, so um, the teaching and um, I think the teaching is the easiest one to address um, because, you know, when ICF likes to have all of that um, pretty crystal clear and Coaching is not training and it's not advising, but you can coach while you train, right? And then when, once you've gotten to the place in the coaching conversation that the core topic has been discovered, the client knows what it is that they want to move forward on, the real root, it could be an issue or not. But when you get to that, point and they're then designing actions to do something about it that's the time where you can you can freely teach um, and 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 brainstorm and bring in information as long as it's not presented in a way that is this is this is what you have to do mm-hmm. here are some things to consider right because you never want to limit your client um, abilities to your knowledge base. Mm. And that's what you do when you advise. And that's mm. what you do when you direct, you limit their possibilities to your knowledge and you never want to do that. Um, so teaching, um, yes, definitely happens, but it, it's after that point of the conversation, mm-hmm. um, mentoring, um, and advising. I, I will have to say that in coaching sessions, um, I don't advise, and I don't mentor um, unless it's a mentoring arrangement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which which I do. But um, but one one of the things that I do have, like when I'm running a program, when I go into an organization, I am the consultant and I am the coach. And many times I'll do something as 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 direct as say, okay, so I'm going to talk now as the consultant for the program. <laughs> so you make it explicit. I do. Yeah. I do. I do because because I you have to, I have to remember that I may be coaching a, a participant 
And then if I slip into facilitator mode about the program during that time, they're not going to know what the difference is. And I'm teaching them how to coach by role modeling. So I have to be pretty explicit um, about that. When it comes to actually going through the coaching session, so rather than entering an actual coaching session, mm-hmm. and then you know that there's going to be a little bit of teaching involved, do you make that explicit as well? Or do you say, you know, this we're now going into some brainstorming and so it's not as explicit as right now I'm going to not no longer be a coach now I'm going to be teaching you (laughs) but but it's kind of clear that you're stepping out of that role yeah well I think that I think you can stay in the coach role as as you teach as long as you've gotten to that point in the conversation to where you've gotten the green light um and 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 it's presented in a way of here are some things to consider or would you you know um, because sometimes a client, they may get to the point, okay, this is really what I want to work on. But I have no idea where to start. I have mm. like, it's like mm-hmm. Latin, right? And then at that point I could say, okay, so we could do some brainstorming and I can, some, I can share some best practices with you. And then from that point, you tell me where you want to go with this. Mm. And if they say, oh, I want to learn about this thing. I was like, okay, so let's make a plan around that. Mm. And that is perfectly fine. About the clients that say, just tell me what to do oh, <laughs> when, you, when you know that like they're going to benefit from the coaching process, but they just want the advice. They want you to teach them something. Oh, I know. They just, they know they, they, well, yeah, they're, cause they're so used to people telling them what to do and it's, it feels easier, mm. but if, if they just stick with it, you know, I mean, I'll have people all the time ask well, well, what do you think? And I, my, my standard answer is it doesn't matter what I think. <laughs> and um, I think that that's, they just have to, they have to stick through it. You know, these are, these are some things that you can consider. I can't tell you what to do because I know here's a, here how it plays out. I tell you what to do. It doesn't work. You don't, and then coaching doesn't work. Well, that wasn't coaching. That was me advising. Yeah. <laughs> So um, do you think, do you think a lot of people, uh, what, what's the reason why they default to just tell me what to do? It's, it's, the, it's easier in the moment. Um, I don't, I don't have to. do have to do the work. Well, maybe doing the work and two, maybe it feels less risky because mm. there's a, there's an element of, you know, well, you've done as a coach, they're thinking, well, you've done this kind of thing a lot before. So you, you know, the answers and, and then truly we don't because what worked for person X could not work for person Y. I mean, and so it would be wrong for us to do that, but I, I, I think they're just, they're tired and they're mentally exhausted Mm. and just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And, and we know that our brain doesn't work that way. It it rejects being told what to do. And, um, you know, if we work through it ourselves, we help to build different pathways Mm. and that cements the learning. And and that is, that's what changes behavior. You know, I mean, Mm. 
if we would change behavior by being told what to do, we'd all be perfect. Because my gosh, how many times do you have people telling you what to do? <laughs> yeah, right. Yep. But it doesn't, as you say, the change has to come from within us because it's our nervous system. That's <laughs> like, right. Exactly. I think one of the, the things I've been thinking about recently, and I, I, I mean, I've been pushing this point for many, many years, but I just keep going back to it, <clears throat> particularly in this sort of situation where at times it's apparent that people don't have the bandwidth to be able to do that, which is um, certainly a, one reason why they default to just tell me what to do. I just yeah. don't have the capacity to be able to go through this process, which to me oftentimes says I don't have the energy, which probably mm-hmm. means I'm not taking care of the sleep and the nutrition and moving the body and the um, social connection yeah, and all these sorts of things. That's yeah. definitely, I've been using that more recently as an indicator of, oh, okay, right. We probably need to address some of the Uh, Mm -hmm. physiological stuff, the stuff that impacts the energy of the body and the brain and the nervous system to be able to help someone create that bandwidth to then be able to take on the ability to go through that process and work through it, which of course is going to get them the change. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, And so much that is so true right now with all that's going on in the world, right? Yeah, that there's so much change. I mean, there's change fatigue going on. There's, you know, the whole emotional side of just the separation and the limits that we have on ourselves. And just it's it's too much for many people because they're they're not taking care of themselves. Mm. And then many of sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say many many don't don't know that it's all connected, mm. you know, they feel, I don't know. It's just the knowledge of all of that together. You know, it's kind of like people who say they don't have time to, to, to do X, Y, or Z or time to be coached or whatever. And it's like, that's kind of like taking a road trip and saying, you don't have time to stop for gas. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going to be late. I can't stop for gas. Well, guess what? You're going to run out of gas. Yeah. Yeah. You got you to gotta stop and take care of it. So. Yeah. A lot of people saying like, I don't, I don't have the, I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. These are all the things that I'm wanting to do, but I don't have the time or the energy. And I'm also, um, you know, with everything that's going on at the moment, uh, I'm not I'm missing out on the social connection. So I'm lonely. So I'm not regulating my emotions as well. So I go and eat junk food, which is going to drain my energy, which is going to get me to the point at the end of the day where I go, I can't be bothered doing the things that I know that I should be doing. And it's just like, there's just all these things that like, like a puzzle that fits together of, uh, that it's actually taking away from our ability to enjoy so many of the uh, um, meaningful things in life that we can still have, even if we're like we are at the moment in Sydney locked down, yeah. like, yeah, there's some things that suck, but there's also like a lot of really good things. And there's also a lot of things that I can, you know, people can still experience that are enjoyable. And yeah. Now's the time to get that podcast going, people. <laughs> <laughs> you're at home, you're on Zoom anyway. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or sometimes it's just to, you know, just to be. Yeah. I love we just, that. We don't have that. We don't make that time to just be. And um, I think that's really important. Yeah. Can we talk business for a moment? Sure. 
what, what advice would you give coaches who want to build a successful business? What, what's your top, <sighs> top couple of tips? Oh, um, it's all about relationships. <laughs> and I know that sounds very coach-like, right? Um, but I mean, and that's just from my experience. Um, all of my business is from, I mean, 95% is all from relationships. Um, it's word of mouth. It's someone knew someone who knew me or, you know, and then somehow I was connected with, with that. Um, and it's nurturing those relationships. Um, so, you know, put your time and effort in quality relationships for sure. Um, how do people, how do people do that? Oh, well, how do you, how do you do that without getting, giving away the secret sauce? Unless you want yeah. to. <laughs> well, you know, I think, I think that, you know, so I would, I would, I do speaking events and, you know, I was doing them in person, um, but it, I would do speaking events that were connected to somebody that I knew. Mm. Right. Um, and so when, when I was, um, I was just thinking about this, this last one, um, that I, I had this new client from it's having those touch points, you know, when someone comes up to you afterwards and talks with you, it's actually following up with that person, right? That's where it begins. It's keep your promises. You're saying you're going to follow up with someone, follow up with them, follow up with them meet them for dinner, um, you know, put it on your calendar to, to call every, you know, four weeks or so, you know, um, make it part of your routine and, and don't let connections grow cold. You know, um, it's, it, you've got to, you definitely have to nurture them and, and, and don't be, shy about sharing what you're doing you know you're you've got great talents and you get to serve people and help them become better why would you hide that mm, mm. so let your friends know what you're doing mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs> love it um can I, can I also add uh be be really good at what you do like yeah well, yeah. for, for our, our listeners, um, uh, Christine is a program facilitator of ours at Brain First Training Institute. Uh, you're great at what you do uh, and you're on our um, program. When, when, when did you do Applied Neuroscience? Was that a couple of years ago? Not, well, it was, it was right in the midst of the first COVID. So it was like March of 19 or March of 20, was it? Yeah. Uh, Applied neuroscience. What year are we? I know. <laughs> I know. It's the COVID time warp. We have no idea what time it is or how far we've come. No. But yeah, it was. It was in. I think it was 2020, um, the spring or maybe early summer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we'd probably had we connected between March and Oh, the magazine. So yeah, yeah. we had a couple yeah. of connections. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we sure did. Yeah, we sure did. Um, uh, and that, that's one of the things that, uh, that I do uh, in terms of maintaining the connections. I try and make it around something. So for me, it's easy with the podcast. 
mm-hmm. and many of my podcast guests I, like I have back on uh, on the on the show. Uh, and that's how I maintain the relationship by adding value to my podcast guests and yeah. and connecting that way. So I, I think that's one of the the uh, sort of my um, strategies because I'm not a natural online relationship builder. Uh, mm-hmm. I think in real life it's very different. Yeah. Uh, but online it can be a little bit tricky. Yeah. Uh, so I've kind of used the podcast as a way of staying in contact with mm-hmm. my network uh, and also building the network and also, you know, having them there for you know, like when I bring out a book and they can bring me on their podcast as a guest and, you right. know, just expanding that network. But yeah. I love that idea, relationships. And I never would have thought of that yeah. probably even five years ago that relationships mm-hmm. would be the number one thing for business. Yeah. Well, you know, no one is trying to sell you relationships, right? Everyone's trying to sell you marketing gimmicks. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, some of that is, I mean, there's some things that you, you need, you need a presence out there, <laughs> but relationships, again, it's, it's the one that you have to put more effort in it. It's easy to, you know, have someone else design your marketing campaign Mm-hmm. and let it run but you've got to be the person that makes the connections because people are buying you just as much as they're buying your product and mm-hmm. so yeah mm-hmm. get out there well, and build some relationships yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely final thoughts for our listeners oh goodness um you know Life is too short to take yourself too seriously. (laughs) And, you know, do the things that that give you joy. And I think everything else kind of falls into place eventually. Eventually, not always all at once, but uh, but do, you know, find the joy every day. And. And yeah, everything falls into place. Love it. So mm-hmm. where can people go to connect with you? Website? Yeah, absolutely. Um, website is effectivefocusinc.com. And um, I'm on Twitter at Effective Focus. So um, feel free to, to reach out and I would love to sit down and talk with you. Guys, we'll put, uh, put the links in the show notes. Christine, thank you very much for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me, Ramon. That's it for this episode. If you want to support the show, make sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and then head over to brainfirsttraininginstitute.com to join our community of coaches. And for resources and products to help you upgrade your brain in life, including interviews with leading neuroscientists and health and high-performance experts, go to mybrainfirst.com. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you soon.